You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry with LandryFootball.com. Be sure and also listen to our Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. You can find it right there on LandryFootball.com, along with some fantastic news as Chris Landry goes deep into football and Certainly, you will be a more learned fan if you're a member of that site. Also, you can check us out on the Locked On Network as well. And we're everywhere. Any platform you download podcasts from, uh, we can uh, get to you that way. Please subscribe as we continue to grow this podcast and excited about it. All right, we start with a big lead. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I was a little surprised by this uh, when I saw the news. I don't know if you were or not, but Mississippi State and uh, Joe Moorhead uh, agreed to a new four-year contract extension will last through the 2022 season. Uh, I know you have to do this for recruiting, but your thoughts on the, the PR backlash of this. Will fans expect more? Well, I think fans or uh, Mississippi State fans and, and probably other fans that follow the school and the conference are kind of wondering whether Joe Moorhead is the right fit or not. And I think that is fair to question. Um, and I think after this past year, um, maybe even more so. So I think from a just an overall standpoint, people might say, Dave, look, why do this? Well, you just hit it. It's recruiting. The issue on a new four-year deal, that really doesn't matter. What matters is how much of it's guaranteed, what's the buyout. Um, a lot of it is done just for that reason, because there is a negative towards, okay, is Joe Moorhead the answer? Is he the guy? Well, when you have a new four-year extension, hey, he's the guy through 2022. Well, then you kind of quell all the rumors on the recruiting trails that says, hey, you know what? They don't know if they're committed to this guy or not. It kind of kind of calms that down a little bit where the reality is if things continue or not, not continue, if things go bad, then, you know, there's, there's an out there and what they're willing to pay is really come down to the buyout. So the, I can guarantee you that the full value of the contract is not guaranteed. So there is an out there. It is a cosmetic move. It is typically done um, whether it is a, situation where a coach may be getting up in age and you're wondering about retirement, or in this case, you're wondering about the stability of the program. This is a way to stabilize it cosmetically with the reality is if he has losing seasons for the next couple of years, he's not going to live out to the end of this contract. So in some degree it's news, but it is kind of a news that's much to do about nothing, which is why we're talking about it because we want to make sure that people understand that, the real story behind the scenes is it's cosmetic and it, it is going to have teeth to it if he's successful. But if he doesn't, then the teeth will come back to bite him. You know where that's right. And he was eight and four last season. We've talked about how the expectations are probably too high because of what Dan Mullen did there. But I'm curious when you looked at that roster, did eight and four look like an accomplishment with what he did with that group of players? Well, I think they underachieved a little bit. If you look at the talent level last year, I thought it was pretty good. But when you look at it overall, how many games should they have won that they did? And I think there were maybe a couple of them that maybe you think that would be a little better. 
I, I think the fact that he's got more stability and more roots into the program, that will I always say that when you evaluate a coach, the earlier stages of his career is more reflective of what he inherited than in him. So it's more reflective of the previous coach. And the deeper he gets into the program, you know, second year, it's more his program, third year, more his program, so on and so forth. So I think the answer to those questions are going to ultimately be, you know, how successful he's going to be long-term. We'll be, we'll know a little bit more this year and a little bit more in the third year. And then we go from there. I think that what we saw was a very talented team, a lot of draft prospects, particularly um, on the defensive side, a lot of key guys, and maybe, maybe a little bit they underachieved. I think that's fair to say. I don't think that's overstating it. But um, I also think that the expectation level perhaps is, or Mississippi State, we were once top five program. Dan does a great job. I think winning eight games and occasional nine games is getting it done at Mississippi State. And I don't know that all the Mississippi State key power brokers and fan base would agree with that. So if they're going to hold the standard that we better win nine or ten, and I don't know how many of them realistically think that, but there's some of them that do, Dave. I think those people are – they could be firing coaches every four or five years because I don't think that you can win in the SEC West consistently – that many games. I think that Dan Mullen did about as good as you can do. And I think it's going to be fair or unfair. The expectation level for Joe Moorhead is that he repeats what Dan Mullen did. And if the program regresses, then they're probably going to want to make a move and find their next Dan Mullen if they don't feel like Joe is. But winning eight games, you know, regularly and maybe occasionally winning a nine and maybe having the right type of schedule that you can win 10 every now and then that's getting it done in a big way at Mississippi state. And then you got to hope that one of those years combined with a couple of down years from some of the big boys, then you can have a really special year. Yep. I agree. Uh, let's go to LSU sophomore cornerback, Kelvin Joseph. Um, his dad says he'll stay with the tigers and if you could kind of explain for some people that don't know, if you enter the transfer portal as it was uh, reported, LSU doesn't necessarily have to give him a scholarship back. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Well, yeah, and here's the thing. Um, the transfer portal, and we'll maybe get into this discussion at, at another point. It's a bigger problem then I think that the S and go figure the NCAA with unintended consequences with their rules is we got half these kids now that don't have a home. We, I wanted to mention this and we bringing this up because we were the ones that reported that he entered the transfer portal. Well, you can enter the transfer portal on Monday and that's kind of the, I call it the, I'm going to fold my arms and pout and say, I'm going to go to the transfer portal. And then the next day, which is exactly what happened well, out of the transfer portal. Well, his dad said, you know, hey, young man, you get your butt back and compete because that's what happens now. And Derek Stingley Jr. has had a really good spring. And, you know, Kelvin is probably not running first team more than likely if we were to head into the fall. He's got to earn his playing time. Um, this is one of those cases. And we're seeing it a lot. Enter the transfer portal, uh, immediately come out of it. 
it's fine. They've got a scholarship for him, but they don't have to have it. They're going to have one for Calvin Joseph. He's an outstanding player. Um, they're not going to give up that scholarship immediately. But as you mentioned, as a rule, once you enter in, um, that that option is now all for the team to move on. And so it is a very dangerous situation. He obviously knew that LSU was going to have their scholarship for him. And obviously there's something internally that he probably felt like, you know, he didn't hear the right love, you know, he didn't show me enough love. That's what the kids say today. Well, <laughs> you know, that's just great, but you know, tough love is sometimes good. So I mention it because we mentioned he entered the portal now we can mention that he's going to stay with LSU and going to be out of the portal. And just like that, that's how this stuff works. So it's kind of the, uh, I'm going to go in the corner and pout. Uh, I'm out of the corner now. I'm, I'm ready to play ball again. Oh, we'll go around the country right now. I want to remind you, coming up a little bit later, we are loaded up on this uh, podcast. We've got a recruiting report coming up with 2024 star well, Demoy Kennedy, we'll talk a little bit about him. Uh, also, uh, we've got more down the line with the film room. We'll look at South Carolina freshman uh, defensive lineman Zach Pickens. But first, let's bounce around the country a little bit. I know you've got news out of Oregon and Colorado, so take us west. Yeah, you know, I always try to do this and kind of open people's eyes. I think it's great to be a fan of a conference, but the more I think you kind of know about some players and names, I think it can give you uh, some a great feel for it. And as I'm breaking down tape all around the country, of course, you can follow the whole country on LandryFootball.com. There's some guys that jump out at me that I want to make mention. And Oregon redshirt senior uh, wide receiver Juwan Johnson, of course, we know that uh, Justin Herbert is a guy that's been much talked about, and we'll see how he develops this year. But Jawan Johnson is a guy that's consistently got better. He's 6'4", 225. He transferred to Oregon from Penn State over the winter. And while he was largely, you know, um, pretty average at Penn State, the best season was in 2017, um, he's going to have all sorts of opportunity, I think, in this offense to really step it up, particularly with this quarterback. So uh, he's a big guy. He runs adequately. I think he's got decent quickness in and out of his breaks. But really, I thought did a good job this spring. So I want to see how well he develops. But he's a guy and one to remember um, this fall. Another guy that's a little bit more well-known. But if you're not familiar with this name, you need to be aware of it. Colorado Junior LaVisca Chenault. The receiver is a special, special talent. I think he's as good as any receiver in the country. Um, and they've not had... Steven Montez has been very inconsistent, but this guy's a big-time playmaker. You talk about a guy that the old 50-50 balls is really 80-20 for him. Um, big-time numbers in an offense that didn't throw it all that well. He's a big-time weapon. Um, we'll see how this Colorado offense will make the adjustment. Mel Tucker coming in. We'll see what he can do with that program. But this kid is outstanding, and you're going to hear his name in next April's draft, LaVisca Chenault. If you've not heard of him, if you've not seen him, you have now. Watch him, follow him this football season. All right, coming up, we will have a recruiting report. We'll talk about 2020 linebacker Des Moines Kennedy, give you an idea of where he might be headed, LSU and Alabama, the two leaders. So stay tuned. This is your Locked on SEC Football podcast. He is Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. 
You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry of Landry Football. Be sure to listen to our Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast as well. Let's talk four-star 2020 linebacker Demoy Kennedy. What can you tell us about this very talented young man? Well, he's 6'2", a little about 205 pounds. He's got to fill out a little bit more his frame. But, boy, he's very athletic. Uh, I think he's going to be a willbacker at the next level and a very good one. He's from Theodore, Alabama. He hasn't scheduled any of his official visits. Florida State, Tennessee, Georgia, A&M are certainly places that he has interest in. Uh, He plans on signing in December. This guy can really run. He has indicated recently, and that's why we want to talk about him, that LSU and Alabama are the leaders for him. Um, And uh, I think it is not necessarily defined as who's the favorite other than those two are um, his favorites at this point. Um, He's a very athletic guy. He can really run. I think he's got great pursuit speed. I think he shows some ability um, to close on the blitz. So let's keep an eye on him. Really outstanding. Uh, I think he's the top you know, 75 overall prospect in the 2020 class. So uh, we'll see how this kid uh, develops through the course of this year, and we'll see where his visits line up and see if any of his uh, favorites will change based upon those visits. Demore Kennedy, a guy to watch at linebacker. 2020 defensive end Reggie Grimes uh, actually is from the state of Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. but he's looking at several other schools, South Carolina, Alabama, uh, Vanderbilt, uh, LSU, Florida State. He's one of those anywhere guys. I get the sense that he can go anywhere he wants to go. <laughs> yeah, he's a bigger kid. He plays with his hands down a little bit more effectively. He's 6'4", 240. So just by comparison, this guy's a bigger guy that can play down, be very effective. Um, he's visiting. uh got official visit scheduled to South Carolina uh, the week of June 7th. Um, he's going to visit Alabama in the fall. He has those set up. Um, you mentioned he's from Tennessee, Mount Juliet. Um, and you know, uh, he's going to obviously, I think, take a number of visits. As you mentioned, LSU, Tennessee, Vanderbilt are all in play at this point. He's a top 25 overall prospect in the 2020 class. So an even better looking prospect that I think is going to be a good down player in the league, um, can be a, uh, an open side end and even grow into a, a strong side end at the next level. Big-time talent. Uh, We'll see if South Carolina can indeed make some inroads with their um, uh, June 7th visit coming up. Uh, Certainly would say that Alabama is the favorite at this point. We'll see if Tennessee can get in it. This is the type of guy, as you well know, that Jeremy Pruitt's got to keep in-state at home. Uh, The state of Tennessee is getting more and more players. You, You know that. Um, from the Chattanooga area, a lot of good players. The Memphis area has a lot of players, but the middle Tennessee areas, the boom of that middle Tennessee area has made the state of Tennessee much more productive in terms of prospects. Jeremy Pruitt's going to make some inroads into closing the gap a little bit against Alabama. This is the type of guy he's got to keep home. So we'll see if he can make some inroads here on Reggie Grimes. Keep, uh, keep that name in mind folks. Certainly. The problem is a a lot of these guys that are 17 year olds, they they don't remember what what Tennessee uh, once was. I think that's the the biggest challenge right now, recruiting in-state. I don't feel like they have that sort of pool like they used to have. We'll see if Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, and it's it's a great point. 
kids don't know, um, they don't know beyond four years. You know, we, we take for granted those of us, um, uh, old guys, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. look at it and we go, they don't know that. I mean, they don't have a clue what happened because, you know, they were 13 years, 13 years old, three, four years ago. I mean, they don't remember when they're 10, 11 years old necessarily who's been good. And they certainly don't remember Tennessee's been that good. Well, that's okay. You've got to start building your new program. And so you've got to give them something to build for, and you've got to convince them that you can be part of something that you can put your name on and you can be part of a class and a group that can turn this Tennessee program around now. Uh, and, and some of them, depending on their ba- background, Dave, maybe they don't know, but maybe their dad knows or their uncle knows, depending on, again, how much of a football family and how big of a football fan their, 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 their family base is. So they can learn a little bit about it by proxy. But you're right. They need to be convinced we're part of the new regime and the new um, new history that we're going to build as part of it. And that's what you have to do, quite frankly. Yep. Coming up the film room, we'll go to Columbia, South Carolina. There's a couple of defenders uh, and a running back that has certainly caught Chris's eye. More after this. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We're going to step into the film room. We're going to Columbia, South Carolina, home of fan- some fantastic barbecue. Uh, are you a, a mustard, <laughs> Are you a mustard-based sauce type of guy? Do you like the mustard-based sauce? No, not so much. I don't know uh, kind of the ingredients of it, but I kind of like the the little bit of the, um, I don't know, the maybe a little bit of honey, maybe more the ketchup-y, uh, uh, honey type of, the little sweet combination. Not a great, I like mustard in small doses. So, <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my favorite uh, kind of the, uh, as we, we get Memorial Day weekend uh, approach, uh, you kind of know where I'm headed with the uh, the, the different types of, uh, of barbecue. I love that type of stuff. I love barbecue. All right, let's go to the film room, uh, the home of the mustard-based uh, barbecue sauce, <laughs> Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and let's start with uh, freshman defensive lineman Zach Pickens. Certainly did not disappoint in spring practice. No, he didn't. In fact, I, I think it's one of the real strengths of this uh, South Carolina team. I think they can be very good on the defensive front. And um, the key for them ultimately is, you know, against that tough schedule, as you well know, is what can they do with their running game? But defensively, really like what I'm seeing. And a couple of guys that I want to focus in was Zach Pickens, who was 6'5", 270. He was an early enrollee at South Carolina this spring and did a very good job. He was a five-star guy in the 2019 class. I, I think he's going to be a depth guy, but I think he's going to have, I think, an early impact in a role, and I think you're going to see him um, play a little bit more as we get into the season and become more and more of a factor. So Zach Pickens is really a guy to watch, and um, a byproduct of really good recruiting um, for Will Muschamp. Again, going to be in a rotation. This guy was a top 20 overall prospect, um, you know, really good-looking player. The the other thing I wanted to mention is kind of piggyback off of that on the other side of the ball is, you know, what they can be on the offensive side of the ball. And just 
looking at film and talking with their coaches. They they like their running backs. I, I get kind of a sense that they're selling the idea that that Rico Dowdell or you know Turner or Denson can become really effective backs. And I think they're going to have to do it by rotation, Dave. I don't see any special qualities there. I think that Dowdell is a serviceable guy. I think they're going to, you know, he's a guy that you're going to have to get a lot for him up front. I mean, I think you've got to create the hole. I don't think he's special to and through the hole. Uh, I think he can get what's there. I don't think he can get a lot on on his own. I think the real key for them is the ability to be able to run the football because I think they've got playmakers at receiver, and if they can force an extra defender in the box, I think Betley can become more consistent, and with Edwards and both Smiths and Van, I think they can make plays one-on-one in coverage with those receivers. But if they can't run the football, they're going to have a problem if they become pass first because what happens is I think the defense, which can be pretty good, if they get behind in games, if they can't stay on the field offensively, they can't sustain drives, then they become a little bit more in the shootout. Then that's when there's mistakes start to happen, and then you get the bad Jake Bentley, and then you become it becomes problematic for the defense to be able to do what they can do, I think, effectively. So, And we've talked about it. South Carolina's schedule is a bear, and I don't know how many wins are on there. I, Dave, I don't know about you, but I, I just look at their schedule, and I keep thinking – how the heck? I don't see eight wins there. I, I mean, yeah. I think if they play well, I don't know how they can win it. I mean, there, there's going to have to be a disappointing year for a couple of teams on their schedule because I just don't see it. I mean, I see Carolina, they got to win that. Charleston Southern, they got to win that. They've got to beat Missouri. They've got to beat Kentucky. That's four wins right there. And then they've got to beat Vanderbilt. They've got to beat Appalachian State. That's six wins right there. That means in order to win a seventh game. They've got to beat A&M at A&M. They've got to beat Tennessee at Tennessee. All right, let's say they're able to win both of those. That's eight wins. That's about as good as it can be. Are they going to beat Clemson? We know the answer to that. Are they going to pull an upset at home against Florida? I'm not going to rule that out, but probably not. Are they going to go in a row to beat Georgia? Are they going to beat Alabama? I mean, I think we know where we're going. Just keep that in mind. I, I, I don't want to make excuses, but I do think South Carolina is recruiting well. I, I, for, I get asked a lot, is Will the, the answer? Well, I don't know what the question is. You know, is the question, can they consistently win at South Carolina and go to bowl games? I think Will can do that. But up against this schedule, when you play Clemson every year and you have the crossover game that you play in Alabama – and then you got to play Florida and Georgia in in, uh, in in your side of your division. You know, forgive me, but I don't know exactly what you're expecting there. And we talked about it a little bit earlier with Mississippi State. That's even more so with South Carolina because they got to play Clemson every year, and we all know what that is. No, I think if they get to eight wins, then there's one of those mustard barbecue sandwiches in it for you, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I like what they're doing, but it just seems ooh, uh, murderer's row there. It's a scouting spotlight. We're going to take a look at Georgia, but first let's start with uh, LSU. Freshman running back John Emery. It's hard to make an impact at most positions in the SEC, but we've seen that running back, it certainly can be done. What do you like about Emory's upside? Well, I, I like the fact that he's got the special it qualities, as I call it. I think he's got size. I think he's got burst. 
I think he's got speed to and through the hole. I think he runs with good pad level, good balance. Uh, but I think he's got special qualities. Look, I think for LSU to be successful, everyone's talking about the passing game, and everyone just assumes that the running game is going to be good. And everyone assumes that the running backs are always good at LSU. Well, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a good back. I don't think he's special. Leonard Fournette, Leonard's brother, is is just a serviceable back. They, you know, um, Emery, to me, can be special. He can be a guy that can be a difference maker. And so I think for them to be successful, they've got to be able to run the football, again, to force defenses into a loaded front so that they can throw more effectively. Burrell's going to have to play effectively. And by the way, he's done a great job kind of taking the bull by the horns as a leader. But to me, I think in order for them to get their offense more effective in the passing game, they're going to have to have a bell call back, which is why I wanted to spotlight John Emery in that I think getting him up to speed and getting him ready to go, maybe not so much early. And I don't know how much they'll play him against Texas, for example. Got a fall practice to determine some of that. But I think for LSU to be really good offensively, it's going to have to start with John Emery in being a huge factor. All right, let's go to Georgia. A commitment from four-star 2020 defensive lineman Jalen Carter. Uh, he's rated as a top 15 defensive tackle recruit in the 2020 class. Uh, they beat out uh, Florida. He's out of Apopka, Florida. Mm-hmm. And curious what you think of him from some tape study. Well, he's he's a really good-looking speed rusher that I think can be effective with his hands down. He's got enough girth to play inside. Um, I think he's got enough versatility to move outside to end, particularly left end. Uh, I think this guy is really athletic. And again, a sign that, you know, George's prowess in recruiting is quite frankly on a par with Alabama's and Clemson's. I know they haven't you know, they haven't approached where Clemson is in terms of beating Alabama and they haven't approached where Alabama is. They're pretty doggone good, but recruiting-wise, they have matched them. Uh, to go into Florida, this is a guy that Dan Mullen's got to keep in state. Um, and to get a commitment from him, and again, commitment's not a signing yet, but this is where Georgia has gone right now. And to get a player like that, this is somebody that Florida needs to keep in. He's a um, he's the 10th commitment of the 2020 class for Georgia. Um They've got uh, a couple of other guys in the, the Nazir Stackhouse and Jamel Burles are really good players. But Jalen Carter is a guy that's versatile, that can rush the passer from the interior defensive tackle position. And he's got really good upper body strength at this level to play the run. I think it's going to get stronger, only going to get better. So Georgia is not lacking for talent, Dave. There is no doubt about that. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. Go to LandryFootball.com to learn more. And you can find the Locked On SEC Football Podcast. You can also find the Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. Or go to Locked On Sports, and you can certainly find it there. And any platform that you get podcasts, just search for us there. Subscribe. Become a part of the show. Be a smarter football fan. Have a fantastic day, everyone.